Are you ready to connect with spirit, get clear, and find peace no matter what you're dealing with? Good news, you found the right place. Welcome to the Empowered Wisdom Hour. I'm your host, Molly McCartney, and I invite you to sit back, take a deep breath, and awaken to the miracles that are possible when you embrace the power of your intuition and spiritual gifts. and welcome to this episode of the Empowered Wisdom Hour. I'm your host, Molly McCartney. I'm an intuitive medium, healer, and spiritual teacher located here in Orlando, Florida, broadcasting worldwide. To anyone out there who is learning to grow on their spiritual path, awakening to who they are as a spiritual being, growing as an intuitive medium or healer, and just anywhere on the spectrum of spiritual development. That's what I've created this show for, and that's who I hope to help. Uh, I've shared this story before, and I'll do it again. Back in the day when I was just learning who I was on this spiritual path and what I came to this earth to do and contribute, I listened to a whole bunch of radio talk shows just like this one that helped inspire me, helped keep me on track, helped me to remember to keep the important things in my focus. So that's what I hope to do for you today. And I'm not going to talk a lot on this show because I have an hour-long interview with my friend and colleague, Reverend Ray Moonwin. She is also an intuitive medium and angel advocate. She also does uh, Reiki healing and a number of other things she'll share during her interview. But what we're going to talk about today is the no-nonsense way of focusing on your spiritual health as you grow and awaken as a spiritual being on the path. It's too easy to get lost in this world when you discover who you really are and to get lost in the emotions of other people, to forget that your body needs special nutrition, special attention to stay healthy, and that energy is everything. And Miss Moonwind, uh, I just have always admired her for her ability to take really great care of herself, to set boundaries, and to really uh, tell people what it's all about without mincing words, without throwing any new age nonsense in there. You know, she's very much like me, a bit far out there on the spectrum in terms of talking to other dimensions, um, people on the other side, angels and aliens and all that good stuff. And she's very, very down to earth about it, also just like me. So um, you'll appreciate this interview. I ask her all kinds of questions about her point of view on the path, what she does to take care of herself. Uh, I ask her about her journey along the way to learning how to be a strong, no-nonsense woman in this field. And I also talk to her about how she likes to cut loose and have fun. And we do quite a bit of laughing. So I know you're going to enjoy this show. And if either of us can be of assistance to you, please let us know. Any links will be in the show notes. And I invite you to send us your questions, comments, and just to feel like you're not alone on the path. You've got friends like us out there in the world. Spirit has placed us in odd locations on purpose because as we learn to shine our lights, we're not always going to meet each other in the physical world on the path. Sometimes we're simply going to resonate along with each other and vibrate in harmony at a distance. And that's another reason why I feel shows like this are so important for us. So that you know whether you're at work right now in your cubicle or driving down the road on a road trip or a business trip or just trying to figure out who you are uh, making that next big decision in your life. That you've got other frequency holders, vibrational matches out here in the world that are also 
holding that attention, holding that focus. And we're all about helping ourselves and others heal and grow into awareness so that we can live on this planet in a happier way and in a more balanced way and to sort of mitigate the problems that egoic thinking can cause and egoic actions and competition and just all the negative things that come with our minds, judgments, and our, our instincts, fears to survive and, and stay in the comfort zone. You know, when we can really pay attention to our spiritual growth and bypass that baseline thinking, that's when we're on the way to a certain kind of evolution that is really, really beautiful that I can see energetically. I can't always see it physically on this planet, but I'm always aware of it on an energetic level. And that's why I stay here. That's what I do what I do. And I believe Miss Moonwin would say the same thing. So without further ado, I'd like to bring her on. And I hope you enjoy this wonderful interview about no-nonsense wisdom for lightworkers everywhere. Okay, welcome everybody to the Empowered Wisdom interview for this show. Uh, today I have on the line Reverend Ray Moonwin. She's a colleague and friend of mine from the Central Florida area. And um, I've been waiting to have a conversation with her um, to talk to her about what it's been like for her to develop as, as an intuitive, as an angel advocate, as an advisor that she is. And she'll tell us a little bit more about that. Um, but how, you know, in her life, how that's informed her journey and how it might help you as a listener on your journey. So welcome, Ray. Thank you, Molly. I'm so happy to be here with you. Awesome. I'm glad to have you. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do as an advisor and healer and um, kind of where you're coming from in the work you do. Absolutely. Well, I am an angel advocate. My background training is in Ascended Mastery and Archangel work. I channel the archangels as a collective. So they kind of come together and it's like one entity, one voice. Then when they start separating out, the ones that I usually work with the most are Kuan Yin, Archangel Michael, Archangel Raphael, Shamuel, Metatron's been very present lately, and Archangel Nathaniel and I are forming a very interesting relationship. I've got this whole visual in my head of this bad boy angel in a leather jacket with a motorcycle, and his sense of humor is just off the charts. A lot <laughs> of times, I don't think he's as funny as he thinks he is. So <laughs> those are the ones that I hang out with the most, and those are usually the ones that come through. Oh, and St. Germain, can't forget St. Germain. He just popped right in there like, excuse me? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Very cool. Oh, so as a healer, um, I'm very intuitive, and I can see clearly into a body, and I can see areas where the energy's off, and if the organs don't look right or if they're in distress, they'll talk to me. I've had clients come back to me years after a reading and say, you caught my breast cancer before my doctor did, those kinds of things. A lot of times I don't remember my readings or healing sessions after I do them because I'm usually in an altered state, but that's okay. So I just kind of pass along the information that your guides and my guides pick up on when I'm working with you. I love that. I love that. Yep. We, we definitely work similarly. I say that a lot. And you, we just forget we're messengers and yes. that's what we do. We just have gotten really good at becoming messengers. Um, well said. 
Yeah, and it's it's an honor to do it. Um, and and so part of this conversation is knowing that you know you're having regular conversations with angels. I talk to my guides, the silence, and I'm you know kind of thinking about you know the health and wellness of humanity at all times as as much as you are, I'm sure, as a light worker. Um, mm -hmm. But that comes with its own set of challenges, right? So what's it like sure for you to navigate life with your intuition intact and this connection intact these days? Um, honestly, I shut down and just flat out refuse to watch the news most days. I can't. I am so tuned in empathically to the environment around me that I can feel the earth's emotions. I can feel the animal's thoughts and feelings and their pain. I can feel the heaviness of the water and the pollution in the water. So I spend a lot of time alone doing the prayer work to lift the vibration and help as much as I possibly can from over here. I really don't want to or need to see pictures of animal abuse and pollution and child abuse because I can pick up on this from over in the corner. So as someone who's so in tune with all of that, I feel it all the time. My, I have trained myself to have an immediate reaction to send energy, to send Reiki, to send healing, to send help. Um, doing that makes me feel empowered. So it takes the victim aspect out of being empathic because you hear a lot of people whine about being empathic. It's so hard and I pick up on other people's emotions. Well, you know what? It's also a superpower. So learn how to take charge of it and learn to do what you need to do to protect yourself energetically so that you can use it intentionally to be helpful. And that has been a whole lot of my life journey is figuring that out because it's not like there are a whole lot of instruction manuals on this stuff, you know? <laughs> yes, I do know. <laughs> I get it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's really helpful for the listeners to hear that um, it, it may come off as a weakness, you know, oh, it, you know, I, and I work with a lot of empaths as well. And mm -hmm. I've got a bit of that. I'm a little bit more of a mental case than <laughs> I feel right. the feelings, but it's all like, oh my God, I'm hearing all the thoughts all the time. Um, right, right. Emotion. Yeah. But it's, it's important. I think for listeners who are kind of struggling with being an empath, not knowing how to handle that, to know that, yes, it's, it's about how you respond to it. That's the superpower mm -hmm. is you're a well-oiled machine. Um, and then yes. why? There's a reason for that, right? There's a gift. Absolutely. <laughs> I really think that the increase in anxiety disorders has a lot to do with so many of the crystal and indigo and rainbow and starseed, the higher vibration babies that have been coming in. And in the United States as a society, we don't teach coping skills. Oh, you're having anxiety here. Have a Xanax. Exactly. So yeah. if we would treat quote unquote anxiety for what it really is, which is being highly intuitive and plugged in and treated appropriately with coping skills. And this is normal for you. And this is how you can handle it. We probably wouldn't have so many people who are so emotionally disabled to the point where they can't function. Yes, totally agree. And it does seem like even those who were here before the crystals and indigos came in are now rising in awareness as well. It's almost like the, yes. the switch has been flipped and, and they were able to be sleepy and kind of go along with things for most of their lives up in, even to the 60s and 70s. And then all of a sudden the wake up happens and they're like, oh my God, I'm just as sensitive as anybody, you know, mm -hmm. anybody else coming in. But uh, I find Absolutely. that really interesting too. And it, it is a ripple effect. We're all connected in that way. Absolutely. Cool. So when did you realize, I mean, this may be a silly question because I'm sure, you know. <laughs> 
She's born with it. Was she born with it? Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. I forget that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I know you were born with it, but you know, when as you grew, did you know you were different <laughs> and destined to be a helper on in, on this planet? And did you have any obstacles? What were they? Um, you know, tell us a little bit about that as you grew up. Boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> okay, so I was always the little weirdo in the group, always. Uh, for my earliest memories, I remember being four months old and laying on a blanket and trying to push up, trying to push my head up. And I was mad because I was dressed in yellow and yellow, the vibration of yellow was uncomfortable for me. Mm. It's a very clear memory. Mm -hmm. And I actually found a picture of myself in that outfit as an adult when we were cleaning out my parents' house after they died. So I came in very awake, very aware. My earliest childhood was out in the yard talking to trees. Mm -hmm. And the old Indian man who lived by the rose bush that was cut down, and there was a giraffe, and I talked with the dogs, and it never crossed my mind, not once, that other people didn't see the giraffe and the old Indian man. <laughs> this was just normal for me. So even going into school, uh, mom didn't believe in labels. She didn't want me in the gifted program, so she started me to school early, which means developmentally I was a full year behind my grade level peers. That wasn't cool. <laughs> mm. So I was just always odd. I was quiet. I kept to myself. I noticed that the other kids could socialize. And when I tried, things would come out of my mouth that made them look at me funny. <laughs> Evidently, they didn't have the same kind of relationship with their dog that I had. They didn't have the full-blown conversations. And that was weird. And so I was able to identify that I wasn't connecting with these people. And I wasn't real sure why. And they seemed, you know, and even as we got into middle school, girls seemed very interested in things like magazines and lip gloss. And I just couldn't quite relate and didn't understand why they didn't just want to go sit in the graveyard and talk to the dead people. That was so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Way more interesting. I get it. <laughs> yep. So I, I was just kind of the oddball out. And somewhere in middle school, I seemed to attract a, another group of weirdos who also seemed to be intuitive. But it was just kind of our weirdo thing. It wasn't even something that we really acknowledged or talked about a lot. Hmm. Um, so probably... Oh, I was in college. Yeah, I do remember this. I was in college. I was alone in my apartment, and I was watching my cat chase this beautiful red-headed entity, woman, angel, I don't know, around the apartment like he would chase a butterfly. I was sitting there watching it, and I thought, okay, all right, my mom's right. I'm mentally ill. I've lost it. I've totally lost it. So at midnight, I picked up the phone and I called her and I told her, okay, you're right. There's something wrong with me. And she went silent. She said, I want you to come home this weekend. I want you to meet a friend of mine. I went to high school with her. Her mom was a witch. She's a witch. I want you to come talk to her. It was the first time my mom ever acknowledged that maybe there was something to what I was saying and didn't tell me I had a good imagination or I was making things up or be quiet. People will think you're weird. It was the first time she actually acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So I went home and she took me to see her friend, Sally Stage, also known as Little Turtle Woman. And I said, well, my mom says you're a witch. And she started laughing and she says, no, honey, I'm Cherokee. <laughs> <laughs> but see when you're in a bible belt town the different religions yep. are presbyterian and baptist and catholic and anything that isn't christian is witchcraft right mm -hmm. so yeah 
But as we were talking, I was watching something walking back and forth behind her, and she watched me watching it, and she said, what do you see? And I said, well, there's something walking back and forth behind you. And she said, well, that's my son, Todd. He committed suicide off the end of the dock last year. Hmm. And I, I literally jumped. I said, you see it too? And she said, honey, this is normal. This is normal for people like you and me. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm. And it was the most stabilizing moment of my life. Mm. So she gave me this whole stack of books, Ruth Montgomery, Edgar Casey, and sent me home with them. And I read every single one. And it was like, that was the magic button. And all of a sudden I started meeting other intuitive people. Um, I worked at a Red Lobster as a hostess, and at, as they were closing down one night, two of the waitresses were reading a regular deck of playing cards, like tarot cards, hmm. in the back room. And then they took me to a local metaphysical store, and then I went back to my hometown, and my godmother, who had always been present and watched me grow up, says, oh, there's a light center here. I'd like to take you out and introduce you to Alberta. I said, hold up. You watched me growing up, watched my mom treat me like I was crazy, and you knew the whole time, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) And she said, you've met your mom. She said, if I had brought any of this up when you were younger, your mom would have kept you away from me. Hmm. She was right. So she took me to Farm Home Light Center, and I met Alberta McCreary, who was my teacher. And I learned about the Archangels and Ascended Masters. I learned herbs. I learned nutrition. I learned meditation. Um, I learned Reiki and I was off and running and there was a whole group of people who were just like me and nothing I had to say to them was weird to them. They thought I was delightful (laughs) and they couldn't listen to me enough. And that was a really strange experience. Yes, I'm sure it is. Yeah. When you're finally, people are asking for the wisdom to come through when they're finally ready. It's like, oh, thank goodness. I did come here for a reason. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was not only accepted, but celebrated. That's awesome. That was new. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I, I get it. I definitely get it. You're like, what, who, what, me, what? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it sounds to me like, and again, for the listeners that when, when you're in a space of feeling weird, of feeling too sensitive or just out of place on this planet, yet you kind of know that you're seeing beyond the veil or you're seeing through illusions that other people can't see through that souls that come to help or, or, you know, I guess people that come to walk with us for a time or divine appointments kind of show up when we need them. Would you say, would you say that it kind of like even, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What do they say when the student's ready, the teacher appears? Exactly. Exactly. And you get those times where you have the community and then you might get pushed off on your own again to do your own thing. Absolutely. It always comes back to you when you need, when you need that support and that, that growth. So that's well, very- and that's an excellent point because some amount of isolation is absolutely necessary for personal growth. You've got to have time to process. You've got to have time to be alone and really sit with what you're learning and what you're feeling, which is not comfortable, mm-hmm. but it is imperative if you are going to continue to grow. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's fun to do the group thing, but they can only go so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. As a, as a diehard hermit that I am, I try, I try to interact <laughs> with society. And then I'm like, oh, where's my trees? <laughs> with you right? <laughs> but, and you mentioned <clears throat> your teacher, and that's wonderful that you, you know, she 
you, she and you found each other when you did and you were introduced by that wonderful um, friend of the family. Um, but you're also a teacher in a couple of different ways now. I know, you know, I've mm -hmm. seen you in action at some events that we've, we've been out together teaching your clients and, you know, through the readings, through the advice you give from the angels. But um, tell us a little bit about the other teaching you do and, and kind of how are the paths related to you, you know, between traditional teaching and your mystical teaching? Because I know, you know, that's a strong archetype to have it double whammied in your life. So it's got to have some meaning for you, right? Mm -hmm. It does. And I want to start off by pointing something out to our listeners who are kind of new to the lifestyle, because this is big. We all want to work in the world of spirit and Molly kudos for getting there. <laughs> we all want to work in the, we all want to just quit our jobs and move to a commune and work in the world of spirit. And the truth of the matter is we do the bulk of our work as light workers, as spiritual guides, as healers by interacting with people. Mm -hmm. where they are, Absolutely. not where we are. We also learn the bulk of our spiritual lessons by interacting with people who are not on our level <laughs> or where we're wanting to go. In other words, that sandpaper effect. So our day-to-day, -day, our day job, you know, our day jobs are important. So what we have to learn is to be the healer in action, be the spiritual person in action in everyday mundania. And this is what teaching in the classroom for years and years did for me, because all I wanted to do was quit and stay home and raise babies and read tarot cards. And I wanted it so badly. And now looking back, oh, my God, I would not trade it for anything. Hmm. So my career as a public school teacher has given me the self-confidence, the training, the education, the skills to be able to do public speaking. Because as the little weirdo in high school, there is no way I could have stood up in front of a group of people probably would have wet my pants. So it has definitely trained me to be able to present, to be able to come out of my shell, to be able to interact, even in a situation where I may not be comfortable. Absolutely. I, yeah, so, when I was in the corporate world, it was the same kind of thing. I kept saying, spirit, why? Why the corporate world? Why? You and, hate me? You know, I, I need help. I'm like, really? There's just like, no, I cannot get it. It took me 10 years to go, oh, okay. And it was mm -hmm. really learning to stand in my power and learning to be grounded in society and Absolutely. participate and adults and, you know, grow in, in my authority and my ability to speak up for myself is same exact thing. Absolutely. So that's and if people looking, are challenged. Okay. Oh, sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and looking at the students, so we were talking about indigos and crystals and rainbow babies and star seeds. So the major influx of indigos came late 80s through mid 90s. Other than I was born in 1970 and I am an indigo. So there have been previous waves of indigos and there have been the occasional, hey, I think I'll incarnate without my soul group. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> Some of us who've just kind of popped in. But when you look at what happened is I was an adult indigo who was here and an established classroom teacher when the big wave of indigo babies hit school age. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perfect. So, Funny story, I was sitting next to an assistant principal that I'd worked with for four years, and something was said in the meeting that didn't sit right with me, and I looked at her, and I said, you stack my deck, and she kind of smirked. I said, you have stacked my deck with all of the ADHD little boys that no one else likes, <laughs> and she said, yeah, and it took you four years to notice, <laughs> <laughs> because 
that ADHD energy is indigo energy mm-hmm. and I'm comfortable with it. It's familiar. We clicked. We didn't have a problem with each other. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the number of children over the years who've come up to me and just started verbally vomiting about dead grandpa in the basement. Mm-hmm. And I always just let them talk. And when they're done, I ask every single one of them, it's okay that you told me this. It's safe and I'm not going to tell anyone. And I believe you. But how did you know you could tell me? And every single one of them has looked at me like I am certifiably crazy and said, well, I knew. Didn't you? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's what so I <laughs> So I've been in a u- unique position to be able to provide support for the little ones coming in. I love it. To be able to provide support for their parents who truly are about to kill them or go crazy because they are wired differently. Mm-hmm. And there's been that component of it along with the skills that has given me to be able to do this work. And I've also had to learn discernment Mm. because just because you know stuff doesn't mean you share it or that it's appropriate to. Right. But then sometimes it is. Yeah. Yep. And that's, that is that intuitive discernment is this wisdom. Mm -hmm. Is this just my ego wanting to, to like fix this or let this be known? Or is this really useful right now? And you really do, especially with, kids in, in that group, you really have to pick and choose carefully and, and get to the point. And their parents. Yeah. <laughs> and the parents. And their parents. So I wanted to back up a minute and ask you about the sandpaper effect. I know exactly what you're talking about, but I want you to unpack that a little bit more because I think that's a really cool term. And um, I think the listeners would get a kick out of it as well. Okay. So if we're going to be honest, and I really don't want to be, um, I was just as victimy as anybody else as a brand new light worker you know everybody was picking on me <laughs> okay so <laughs> i get it <laughs> so you know especially in the workplace and the truth of the matter is having come from a dysfunctional family i just simply did not have appropriate social or coping skills i didn't know how to deal with people so that's what was happening as i was unlearning my victim issues Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is when you have victim issues, it's like you're walking around with a big old bullseye covering your whole body. You are a walking, talking target. It's like bullies can sniff you out. They're like, ooh, that one. Mm-hmm. And they'll start pushing your buttons and picking on you. And as a victim, you respond because it's what you do. So the sandpaper effect. When I have a client come to me, And they bring up difficult relationships at work and their families with their children, whatever. My first question, and let me tell you, it makes me just as mad as it does everybody else when someone throws this at me, is why did you choose this for yourself? Mm -hmm. Boy, that pushes buttons. I would never choose this for myself. Okay, but you did or you wouldn't be experiencing it. Mm -hmm. What do you need to learn from it? And I remember listening to a spiritual teacher. I can't remember his name. But he was telling a story about how he and his wife had divorced and she took the kid and took off and she'd make arrangements for him to visit the kid and then she would renege. And this went on for some time and he was desolate Mm. and suicidal and struggling because he missed his child. So he went into meditation and he asked to be shown why. And what he was shown was before his birth, sitting down with an entire council to create his karmic contracts according to the life lessons he needed to learn. What did he need to experience in this lifetime for his highest growth and development? Mm -hmm. And the question went up to the crowd, who loves this one enough 
who loves this one enough to play this role in his life because it will not be easy. Mm-hmm. And the person who stepped forward from the crowd was his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the moment he understood that he was put in this position to learn, he forgave the ex-wife, made peace with it. She called the next day, custody arrangements were made, they didn't have a problem again. And that has always really stuck with me. So when I'm really having a problem with someone, the first thing I have to ask is, how is this person a mirror for me? What are they showing me about myself I don't like? How are they bringing to light my really deep-rooted issues that I don't even know I have? What is this person showing me about myself? That has to be the first question. And usually if you address that one head on and really start working with it, the conflict with the other person starts to resolve. Absolutely. Yep. It's that seeing, seeing it clearly for what it is through the illusion of separateness, illusion of us versus them in conflict. And, and you do, you have to get uncomfortable with it, you know, and say, yep, absolutely. I'm not in my happy place. What's going on here? It's, you know, it's always going to be that lesson coming at you. Right. Yeah, that's, it's that's a much bigger picture than this person is mean to me, this person is picking on me. Okay, right. but what am I getting out of it? Uh, I survived domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And one of my superpowers at this point in time is I am able to hold my calm in the face of just about everything. I'm not saying that I'm not jello on the inside. <laughs> 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 but I learned that if I got emotionally upset and engaged with my abuser, it fueled him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I remained calm, there was no fuel for the fire. That's, that is profound. That is some Mm -hmm. serious wisdom right there. And that was my next question to you, because I've always seen you as a really powerful boundary setter. And again, folks, I've only talked to Ray once or twice, but I feel like I I know you like better than I know. I I feel the same about you. That's awesome. Yep. We're from a similar star system, I'm sure. Um, I agree. (laughs) But I've just always witnessed you as a powerful boundary setter, you know, very strong energy and you don't tolerate nonsense or mistreatment. And so it's interesting to know about the, the trauma that you experience with domestic violence. I guess it hasn't always been that way. And, and was that no. where you learned how to set those boundaries? And is it mostly just the no. energetic boundary of calm? Or is there other things that help you set boundaries with people? There's more. Uh, I had a very dysfunctional codependent family. Hmm very interdependent to the point that it was unhealthy. And if you've done any reading or had any counseling on family dynamics in the dysfunctional family, there's always the star child who can do no wrong. And there's always the one who can do no right, the pick on that everybody constantly criticizes and there's something wrong with them. And there's a favorite and everybody's expected to take personal responsibility for everyone else's well-being and happiness. In, very unhealthy man- in a very unhealthy manner. So I have been working on a book forever, and this is pretty much the, the basis of the book, is I've had so many people ask me, well, you seem to be really smart. How did you get involved with an abusive man? Mm. Well, you take it back to earliest childhood. I was conditioned in earliest childhood to not make my mom mad because the emotional consequences of that were devastating. She was emotionally abusive. I was conditioned from earliest childhood to appease, to make happy, to bend over backwards, to not have a personality and stay quiet. Mm -hmm. I was perfectly groomed for whatever abusive man wanted to pick me up and make me his pawn. Mm. 
so his treatment of me was really no different than my family's treatment other than it definitely took it up several notches if physical abuse was involved he abused my children it, it was definitely worse but the very core of the family interactions were the same right so that's kind of almost like a rock bottom of oh crap like how i'm being mm -hmm. is not working and let's look at let's back up and kind of look at the history of where this has come from for me so exactly. i can feel it you know yeah, because what cool. people see is that you're involved with an asshole right and you seem like a smart girl so there must be something wrong with you right <laughs> you're like oh it's so much more than that <laughs> right yeah it so is much, much more, more than that and i think that it's really important that we talk about things because there are so many women and let's say it men Mm -hmm. who find themselves as adults in a divorce situation from an abusive partner and they blame themselves and they feel like they're stupid and they feel like they can't make good choices and they don't trust themselves because mm -hmm. of this one marriage or this one partnership without ever connecting the dots. Wait a minute. But why do they think this behavior was okay in the first place? Right. So it's not repeated again. And mm -hmm. how, how would you say, because uh, to me, intuition plays into that as well. And some of my past relationships and some memories from childhood as well of, um, you know, being able to tune into people's feelings and, will, you know, being mm -hmm. able to appease them or, or get them what they need pretty quickly. So it turns into kind of a codependent thing, if not full-blown dependency. Nailed it. Yeah, and and then that well, intuition becomes almost like, uh -huh. oh, it's dangerous to listen to my intuition, <laughs> but it's misused, well, right? It's not. It's just uh -huh. superpower that gets inverted almost. Exactly, and the nasty part about it is, as intuitives, we learn to not trust ourselves because our most basic survival as children is completely dependent on the adults in our lives. We must appease them. Mm -hmm. So if intuitively I feel this way and I act on it, but that does not appease the almighty adult in my life, I'm going to get hurt. Right. So our intuition all of a sudden is all over the place and we can't trust it anymore because I thought this was right. This felt right. It got me hit. Mm -hmm. yep. So we start second guessing our intuition. We start shutting it down and the adults around us discount it. Oh, that's just your imagination. Oh, that's cute. Oh, you think you know it all, but you don't. Mm -hmm. Too sensitive. So, <laughs> too sensitive, exactly. So we learn to not trust our intuition. Right. And then as intuitive people, we're not always shown everything because we've got to walk through our life lessons like everybody else does. And if we saw it coming, we would do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a very good point because there are sometimes, you know, I go, I've done so much work on myself. How did I get into this mess? Or, you know, how did mm -hmm. this person get attracted in? And there's still karma. There's still lessons since I, I feel, I don't know about you. It's fewer and farther between certainly, but it does come up. Right. And you feel like, oh, right. this person is that mirror of, of shadow for me. And I, I need to, you know, see how I'm being with it and follow my intuition very carefully dealing mm -hmm. with it at this point, you know. Um, and there's sometimes you got to take a deep breath, throw caution to the wind and tell yourself either this is going to be really fun or it's going to be a life lesson. But I have the skills to pick myself up on the other side of it. So, hey, why not? I like that. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. I think that's an Abraham Hicks thing too. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how so it back goes. to the boundary setting. So that mm -hmm. has been one of my major life lessons is to learn to set healthy boundaries. One of my favorite quotes is from Brene Brown, that setting healthy boundaries is one of the most loving and compassionate things you can do mm -hmm. because you are 
teaching another person how to set personal boundaries. And if they're walking on yours, they obviously don't have any. Right. Yeah. Because I see, yeah, I see and hear people say things like, well, you just have to be a bitch to people or they walk on you. No, 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 honey. What you just told me there is you have no healthy boundaries, so you behave inappropriately. Right. Because if you have strong, healthy, personal boundaries, there's no reason why you have to be a bitch. You can be kind and loving and open-hearted and compassionate because you know how to say no and you know how to not be taken advantage of and you don't have to be nasty in order to enforce that. And that's what you teach people who don't have boundaries when you set yours. So this has been a life journey for me and I'm getting really good at it, but it's still a lesson. I had a, a situation just within this past year where a very dear, very close female friend of mine. We've been friends for a long time and I consider her family. And she started becoming increasingly more hateful with me and more consistently hateful with me and was saying some really unkind things. So learning this healthy boundary setting thing, I'm like, okay, I can handle this. I can do it. So I had a very grown up conversation with her about it, which was nerve wracking for me. You know, that inner codependent, oh my God, I'm going to make somebody mad. Mm-hmm. I did it. I was proud of myself. First time it went pretty well, but it didn't change her behavior. Mm-hmm. So I had the conversation with her two more times and, sh- and the re- relationship continued to get nastier. So I finally did have to cut off that friendship. Mm. So no, my boundary setting life lessons are not all done and they're still not comfortable and I still don't like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because still working on it. I get it because in, as intuitives and as um, energetically aware people and our listeners are, are also that way it's like we know how we're all connected. We know we're all the same. So the boundaries are sort of uh, the space of ego, for lack of a better term, or you know, this kind of human us versus them, uh, fight or flight survival mode. And we're kind of like over that, but we still have to do it because if, mm-hmm. if we're you know, just learning to be human or learning to um, tie up loose ends from past lives or anything like that, it's important. We can't just kind of be um, just all loving, hugging saints all the time, though we kind of right. wish we could be. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> but um, Yeah, but let's, let's expand on that. Just because you're setting boundaries does not mean that you're not being loving. Exactly. You're right. No, you are totally right. That makes total sense. Because, yeah, and, and it is, I love what you said, you're teaching other people by doing it. Uh, because mm-hmm. if they haven't learned it from anyone else, then they're certainly getting their boundaries violated in some way. Or they're creating a lot of drama and and problems in their life by not honoring other people's uh, boundaries. Exactly. It's also the ultimate act of self-love and self-care to protect your boundaries and not allow yourself to be violated. And taking care of yourself in that way is something that really needs to be modeled for other people because it's not something that we're taught Mm -hmm. in this society. Other cultures, probably not here. Right. So that's really important. And we also need to learn to love ourselves enough to let ourselves off the hook because you know what? We're not superhuman and we don't always catch it right away that -hmm. this is a circumstance in which I need to set a boundary. Sometimes it's a little after the fact and we're running to catch up and that's okay. Yeah, it is. It is okay. And we have to learn our own, um, our own kind of system, our own, I call it, you know, the psychic charades or the energetic charades, like, (sighs) You know, it feels different. You know, it's like, what is this feeling? Oh, someone's draining my energy. Like, I don't, it's mm-hmm. different than the last person. But uh, so that, that brought up that question for, you know, for you, how you experience that, say, energetic charade of, oh, wait, my boundaries are being violated. Is, you know, before it, 
are you, I mean, I'm sure you, you know, the little hints beforehand before it turns into a, a blown out like attitude problem or an argument, there's kind of a like, Oh, that's just, there's something feeling comfortable. Yeah. It's we've been taught, okay. we've been taught to not listen to our feelings. Oh, mm-hmm. you're just being emotional. Oh, you're just being too sensitive. We've been taught to not listen to our feelings. And the truth of the matter is, is our feelings are the most accurate indicator that we have of anything and everything. Mm-hmm. Your first hard emotional reaction to anything is always the right one. It is always accurate. And if you will look back over time when you had a very strong emotional reaction to something, case in point, you know, and a friend introduces you to one of their friends and you immediately don't like them. And then your next thought is, well, so-and-so seems to like him. So I must be just being judgmental. I'll give them a chance. Mm-hmm. Six months later, you're pulling the bloody knife out of your back. Right. And you think, you know, I had a funny feeling when I met that person. Right. Yeah. I think that's important so, for everyone to note meeting new, you know, whether it's business contacts or friends or lovers mm-hmm. or dating, all that stuff of, to pay very close attention to that first. Your first impression. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and no it's matter what anybody right. else says, I think that you're, you hit it on the nail where, oh, well, you know, they come with references. So maybe, maybe they're all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really it's that, that initial internal reaction that is like way more important, way more important. It's always right. Yeah. And we learn, we live and learn. Sometimes it doesn't always work out, but it's, that's when we say, all right, lesson learned, let's move on and not do it again. Right. Um, so and if um, you do it again, it's okay. Yeah, it's You'll all okay. It it's, it's all a ride, right? The human, the human ride, yeah. the theme park called human life. <laughs> I like that analogy. Yeah, it gets scary, it gets funny, it gets corny, it's all boring, whatever. It gets all things all the time and we just kind of go for the ride. Um, so you seem uh, great at taking care of your personal health too. And, you know, I've noticed in the spiritual community or those who are highly intuitive or connected to the other side, oftentimes we can fall short on our health a little bit, mm-hmm. or I, I liken it to, cause I used to be, you know, quite overweight and I was junk food junkie and my sensitive body was not having it no matter how many other people could eat that food. Um, right. and I learned I had to eat clean. I had to eat whole foods and stay away from certain process things. And I think a lot of people who are super sensitive, it's almost like the body gets more sensitive to the crap. So not only do you exercise a lot, but, you know, tell us about your eating habits, how you've learned to maintain your, your physical health as much as your spiritual health. Okay. I'm so glad you, I love to talk about this because you would think in the age of Google (laughs) that people would be better educated on this topic. And they're really not because we have a tendency to go with how we were raised. Mm -hmm. Culture is more powerful, more overwhelming, and more influential than absolutely anything else. You just about can't break it. Mm-hmm. So where your health and well-being is concerned, you have to look at the family culture that you were raised in and be honest with yourself about it. My parents were old and in ill health by the time they were 50. I'm almost 50, and you know me, so bookmark that. <laughs> um, my oldest sister had her first major surgery to have an organ removed when she was 28. It was her gallbladder. Mm. She was, she's 14 years older than me. She was old by the time she was 45. Well, when I met my teacher, Alberta, I thought, okay, she's obviously a woman who's older than she looks. She looks about 38. She's probably 40. So I finally asked her how old she was. I couldn't help it. She was 70. Wow. That's amazing. 
older than my parents who were old and decrepit. And I'm like, what are you doing that my parents aren't doing? So she taught me about herbs and supplements and a vegetarian diet and staying hydrated, exercise. She did yoga and walked two or three miles every day, meditation, keeping your, your thoughts and your vibration high and clean. And let me tell you, I took notes on all of this because the big thing for me growing up in Cowtown, USA, where you have steak and eggs for breakfast, is that I don't have to be old and in pain and not enjoying my life at 45. Right. Right. I am the only person, I have two biological sisters. I am the only one who does not have thyroid disease. I'm the only one who still has my gallbladder. I'm the only one who still has my uterus. Mm. I'm the only one who does not have diabetes or heart disease. Right. And I can tell you it's because I don't eat the way they eat. And for people who aren't familiar with uh, a vegetarian diet, and I, I want to throw a disclaimer in there. I think there's something to that blood type diet. I'm type O blood. And about once a month, I really need a dead animal in my mouth. <laughs> and my vegan friends argue with me to the nth degree over this, that I can get all my nutritional needs met through plants. I agree. And I still go have a hamburger once a month. Right. Yep. Your body okay. needs what it needs. And that's... <clears throat> Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was I was vegan for many years, vegetarian for even longer, and I, I experienced a deficit. And so I'm kind of in mm -hmm. the middle. I'm I think be positive, so it's a little bit of everything. So every day I'm like, I don't know, I'm vegetarian today. Oh, I eat meat today. I don't know what's right. happening. And I just have I it was a it was a spiritual challenge for me to even go back to it because I was like, what kind of person am I that I can do this? But I realized, you know what, this is what my mind, body, and spirit have mm -hmm. has asked me to do. And within reason, it, it seems like for the, for the good health, for the vibration, and you thank the animal, you thank the energy, and it's not mm -hmm. kind of um, this messy kind of uh, greedy way of eating animals, but it's like medicine, you know? What you're doing is what I call intuitive eating. Get up in the morning and feel through your body and see what you can handle today. My gallbladder only functions at 70%. I really cannot digest animal protein. I can't do it. Right. So most days I am a vegetarian. That's good. But I can feel in my body what I'm going to be able to tolerate for the day if I just ask and pay attention mm -hmm. to what's going to feel good. So for those of you who are not familiar with vegan or vegetarian food or have been raised on a, a meat-based diet, there's usually a moment of turning your nose up at the idea of it. But what I have found is that vegetarian food is much more flavorful and there's more texture and there's more variety. There's just so much more food experience. Can you tell I kind of have a thing for food here? Um, <laughs> and just meat and potatoes. It's worth exploring if you enjoy food and you enjoy eating, which is a good point to make. A lot of people don't. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It's, it's uh, for me, my, my, that's how I got off of junk food and lost 90 pounds was a vegan diet. Wow. For, three years and it was vegetarian and then went into vegan. And then shortly thereafter, my body's like, all right, add some other things. But, and unfortunately a soy allergy made it difficult to uh, get a lot of protein. Otherwise that. at the time, that's more options today, but I, I, it really taught me to love vegetables. Like I think the body forgets with the, the diets mm -hmm. that we're raised with sometimes if it's a lot of packaged food and microwave food and 
you know, eating out and it's, you, mm-hmm. do, you look at vegetables, Perfect. you're like, oh, they don't taste like anything. It's like, oh my God, they taste like all kinds of things, but you have they to taste like all kinds of things. your body yeah. <laughs> and water. Yeah. Like they're the, the folks who can't t- stand the taste of water. And it's, I was one of those people, it's soda only. And I realized, oh my God, a day without water, I can't even imagine today. So you can literally retrain your desires and your craving. Absolutely. It's getting off. Well, and what kind of, (laughs) what kind of statement does that make about your level of self-acceptance and your level of self-love when your body is composed of, I can't remember, what is it? 70%, 90% water. Mm -hmm. And you're saying you hate Mm -hmm. water. Yeah. You're basically saying, I hate my body. I hate myself. I hate my life. Right. I know yeah. that sounds extreme, but you know, sit with that for a minute. No, that's, that's again, profound, no nonsense wisdom from Ray Moonwind. I, I, <laughs> I counted on nothing less, my dear. <laughs> Thank that's you. Good. No. As far as spiritual community and spiritual practice and diet, and, I, and I'm using the word diet from the point of view of what you're consuming because I am hardcore, a non-believer in diets. I don't do diets. I don't recommend diets. My eyeballs roll back in my head <laughs> when I hear somebody's on a diet. Just learn how to feed your body and eat right. That's really all you got to do. Mm-hmm. But when I see somebody who's not eating clean and not taking care of themselves and moving the body in some way, I don't care what how you exercise it. Just get out the door. Mm-hmm. But that is a direct indication of how well you're loving yourself, how well you're honoring yourself, how well you are caring for yourself, how much value you place on your own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. well you are feeding yourself and how well you are maintaining your physical form. Yeah. Get moving for sure. And that, yep. that reminds me of, uh, you know, we're friends on Facebook and I love your um, morning walk deliciousness photos. Oh, uh, so <laughs> I wanted to know, and I have kind of afternoon walks because I'm kind of a night owl. So mornings don't always happen for me. Um, but, um, you know, either sunset or afternoon, that's when that's my shift out there. Um, and I wanted just to have you share your experience of being with the trees, being with the quiet moments out there and how that grounds you and how that enhances your wisdom, um, you know, both with nature's and your animal friends, like how important is all of that to you and how's that show up for you? It's absolutely necessary. I'm not okay unless I am outside every day and for some significant amount of time. I have to have my feet on the earth. I have to touch the trees. I have to touch the plants. I can feel the heartbeat of the earth from inside the house, but I want to be on the earth and connect with her and feel her. And my morning walk deliciousness pictures, there is something worth getting out of bed for in the morning. There is something so beautiful, so breathtaking, just waiting for me. Mm-hmm. The catch is don't miss it. You got to pay attention. Yes. So the object of the game when I'm out for my morning walk is to pay so much attention to my surroundings that I don't miss the deliciousness. Mm-hmm. And when you're that engaged with being in the moment and what's around you, you don't have time for your cell phone. You don't have time for your anxiety. You've got no time to sit and worry about Barbara at work and what <laughs> she's going to pull today. <laughs> This is truly living in the moment. I don't want to miss anything. I've got to keep my eyes open because I'm completely surrounded. And just it. the quietness of the moment and the quietness of the plants and the quietness of the morning. And the, the physical exercise. Um, one of my friends who's a yoga instructor was telling me I needed to get into yoga. And I had some very strong words for her that I will not repeat. But I don't like yoga. And I refused. And I was explaining to her how through weightlifting 
and I used to be a runner. I can't do that anymore. I blew a knee out. But through the physical movement and the deep sensory input of the weights, that it would still my nervous system, and I was able to focus my mind, and that's when I can meditate. And that's when all kinds of things open up for me. And I would focus on my breath, and she started laughing, and she said, that's yoga. <laughs> I said, excuse me? She said, yoga is the mental practice. It's not the physical practice. You can do yoga through any exercise. So when I'm out for my walk in the morning, my physical body's engaged. It calms my nervous system. I'm able to focus. It is my best meditation time. And being outside, I can hear the trees. I can hear the plants. This is when the fairies come forward and share their wisdom. It's really easy to tap in and channel and have that meditation time. So when I have clients who come to me and I ask them if they're meditating every day and, well, I can't quiet my mind. I can't sit still and meditate. Okay, first of all, who told you you needed to sit still to meditate? Get up and move. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hear you. I hear you. And was there any time in your life where you didn't get outside enough? And did you feel the, the lack of that? Or did you suffer mm -hmm. the consequences of that? What was that like? I lived in an apartment when I was in college in a second floor apartment. And I just wasn't right. And honestly, you know, now that we're talking about it, I didn't realize that was also directly correlated with one of the most difficult times in my life. I struggled at school. I struggled at work. I struggled in my relationships. Everything was hard. Everything was bone-crunchingly hard during that period of my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it's almost like the we get unplugged, right? And that mm -hmm. life force, so we can be connected to spirit. To me, it, it, it's almost like we're trees, right? And so the branches of our energy bring in the sunlight from above. And then the groundedness of the roots below, we have to connect with the earth in whatever exactly. way works. Some people do like to connect through being with people. Those are the extroverts, but the introverted ones, the light worker ones that are a little bit more like we need our quiet time, the trees for me, and it sounds like for you too, was what made me love being on this planet Right, <laughs> you know, was nature. Well, and to touch on what you said about the extroverts needing to be around other people, I have seen <clears throat> some people use being around other people as their coping skill. Yes. That and is the true. downside to that is then they never have that quiet isolation time to reflect and meditate and go deeper and sit with their feelings. And that's the point. They're trying to avoid being alone with their feelings because that's scary and painful and they don't have coping skills for it. Mm -hmm. So they keep themselves busy by being around other people. It's very difficult for those people to really deeply grow spiritually because they don't have enough alone time with themselves to look themselves eyeball to eyeball. Right. Yep, that's true. It is a little bit more of a challenge. And um, it seems like for, for those who, who are challenged, I, I tell them, try five minutes a day, you know, a 10 minute walk or yeah. five minute meditation, try whatever you can fit in. And then chances are you're going to love it. And so you're going to want to do a little bit more and hang in there a little bit longer, but you have to make that's it good advice. for yourself. Yeah. So cool. Um, so I know, you know, you crack me up. I know you love to not get too serious about things. I mean, you're serious about wisdom and serious about guiding people, but how do you like to cut loose and have fun and kind of enjoy your human life um, beyond your spiritual practice and, and your spiritual focus? Well, I have a tendency to cut up all the time because if life is not the single most ridiculous thing we have ever done, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> everything is funny. There is humor in everything. And if you're not seeing it, maybe you need to readjust your perspective. There's just not a whole lot that's worth taking 
that seriously. And I, I just spend a lot of time just enjoying. I work from home, so I might be in the classroom or on the computer, but I don't miss it when the dog goes chasing the cat right behind me and it interrupts my classroom time with my students. That's funny. The kids <laughs> think it's funny. You know, so not missing the funny stuff as it's happening because it's happening all the time. But, you know, for enjoyment, it's really important to get out of the house and to spend time with friends who also like to laugh and talk about complete and total nonsense. And truth be told, most of my friends are very involved in the spiritual community as well. So, you know, our joking and cutting up is still about stuff like ETs and past lives and bad tarot readings. <laughs> but we're still cutting up and laughing. <laughs> That's right. Find your tribe. It's easy to laugh. That's for sure. I like that. Yeah. And speaking of that, um, we had a really cool conversation at the last event I saw you at about, um, you know, understanding our connection with interdimensional beings and how they interact mm -hmm. with us. And you are, you know, an angel advocate messenger. So how do you currently work with these dimensions and what advice would you have for listeners who are having these kinds of experiences, whether it be aliens or angels or they're, you know, they're feeling like this has definitely happened to me, but I don't know how to talk to anybody about it or how to explain it, or maybe they're trying to repress it. Um, what would you kind of guide them with if they were in front of you right now? Good question. And that's what a lot of people come forward with. So first of all, if you even think that you're having these experiences, validate yourself and quit guessing, second guessing it because you're having these experiences. Mm -hmm. So believe yourself. I mean, be your own advocate. Believe yourself. You're having these experiences and you're not crazy. Uh, it may not be the norm for your family or for your group of friends. So it's going to be important for you to find people that you can talk to about these things. The single biggest thing that I can offer to you is stop being afraid of it. Mm -hmm. We are so rooted here in the third dimension that it's not a part of normal everyday life and conversation to talk about the ghost in the house. <laughs> or the tree in the backyard that's talking to you, or my daughter will come through once in a while, mom, the fairies in the backyard are unhappy, you need to plant some rose bushes, okay? <laughs> so those may not be everyday and normal conversations among most people, but they should be. Mm -hmm. And you need to find those people to plug into. These experiences are real. You don't need to be afraid of them. Uh, most of us have been exposed to organized religion and horror movies, which is a horrific combination. So we're scared to death of everything that makes a noise and every shadow. Mm -hmm. And there really is not that much out there to be afraid of. You're okay. Mm -hmm. So the next question that always comes up is, well, what if it's something bad or what if it's something evil? Chances are it's not. I want you to think about walking into, well, let's say Walmart. That's always a good time. You never know what you're going to see in Walmart. <laughs> and sometimes it's pretty scary. You know, the, the flesh colored leggings. Okay. That kind of thing. So Think about being around large groups of people that you don't know. Some of them feel yucky to you. Some of them feel good to you. Some of them will randomly talk to you while standing in line for the bathroom. It's really no different with spirits who don't have bodies. And the ones that feel yucky or make you feel uncomfortable, it's as simple as telling them you're not allowed in my space. You have to leave. And if they're stubborn, Archangel Michael, make it go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It really is that easy, but the catch is, is we're not taught that it's that easy, so we think it's some big deal, and we've got to hire a, a priest and exercise the house and get some sage out, which actually the sage is not a bad idea, but um, it's not that big and bad and scary. Tell them to leave. It's your house. Mm -hmm. You don't let your neighbors walk through your house without your permission. Ghosts don't get to walk through your house without your permission either. Tell them to leave. 
That's right. I'm a hard ass about that myself. And I say, I'm not open for business right now. <laughs> human life I'm doing, you need to come open or just stop bothering me. And, and I always say, you know, they're there whether we know it or not. So it's a shift right. in awareness of them so that, you know, just don't interact with me right now, basically. And, uh, yeah, in other words, your cat's not just staring at the wall. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't, yeah, I don't like them when they mess with the cats. I'm like, that's just mean. <laughs> Stop <laughs> having my cats chase you around the house. Really. Uh, they're going crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really cool to, to hear the, this almost the exact same words. Cause that, you know, that was some guidance I got from my teacher, um, that it's like a bully, you know, you wouldn't let a person push you around. Why would you let a spirit push you around? And for me, when mm -hmm. I heard that way back then, 20 years ago, I was like, holy crap, you're right. But I didn't know that I couldn't tell a bully not right. to push me around. So it actually taught me to be stronger as a human being as much as it taught me to be strong as a, a spirit worker. So um, that's something important for someone to know out there, I think. Right. Well, and the higher you keep your vibration, through prayer, through meditation, through eating well, yes. through being hydrated, through making good choices about the people that you spend time with and setting healthy boundaries, the higher your vibration is, like attracts like. Mm -hmm. So the entities without bodies that you're attracting should match your vibration. So if you're attracting some icky, sticky, gooey things, you might want to go smudge yourself. <laughs> yep, <laughs> go smudge yourself. <laughs> go smudge yourself. Take a good look at what's going on around you and why you're feeling so gross that you would be attracting gross things. That's right. Amen, sister. That's, that's the way to do it. So do you, um, that's, you've already answered my next question, but uh, since we're on the topic and we're running out of time, I wanted to see if you'd like to share a quick intuitive message for anyone who may be listening. Of course, this is going to span time and space. It's pre-recorded, and it might be someone, you know, three years from now, or it might, you know, might be right in the yeah. moment when I post it. So just feeling into that, any message from the angels or anything that uh, needs to be said. Absolutely, and I'm glad you asked because they're about to chew my ear off. Alignment. <laughs> Check your alignment. Make it your practice to check your alignment every day, moment by moment. Is your emotional state of being in alignment with whatever your own belief system is? Now, this is straight across the board. If I am a spiritual person and I'm trying to be high, high vibration and I'm trying to be a loving, compassionate advocate for human rights, how am I taking care of myself and my own body? Am I a good advocate for my own health? Um, are my politics in alignment with my belief system and what I'm trying to put out to the community? Are my personal friendships healthy? Do I have healthy and appropriate boundaries that are in alignment with where I want to be as an enlightened person? Constantly checking yourself, constantly checking your alignment to make sure that it does all line up so that if you find something that's off or sideways, you can be aware of it and work on it. Or it might be that moment when you reevaluate and say, what is my belief system? Am I in agreement with my own belief system? Is it time to readjust my belief system and maybe change it a little bit? That's right. And it's important to know that that can be done. It's not set in stone. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. I love that. Reminds me. Oh, yeah. go ahead. That's what I've personally been playing with a lot over the past several months is choosing my belief systems. But the object of the game with that is you first have to identify what is my belief system about this thing? And we are not always conscious of what our belief systems are. I mean, if you asked me point blank what my belief system is about X, Y, Z, and I said, it is this. But then I go home and realize, okay, let's talk about money. 
if my belief system is I love money and I'm prosperous and I'm abundant, and then I go home and realize that I'm short on cash to pay my bills this month, well, I'm obviously not in alignment with my belief system. Right. Or that isn't really my belief system. Maybe I don't believe that I'm prosperous and abundant. So working with changing and healing belief systems so that you can be in alignment with what you want. That's right. And it's different than a positive thought. It's more kind of uh, an acceptance of the reality of something, you know, and yep. creating that as what, what is real. So positive thinking is like Abraham Hicks says, slapping a happy face on it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I could not agree more. And in the spiritual community, everybody wants you to be positive and feel better and don't talk about yucky things. And that doesn't help anybody. If you really want to be a healer, you got to heal your own shit. And you don't do that being happy all the time because not everything feels good. And we've got to heal the stuff that doesn't feel good, which means we need to be honest that this doesn't feel good. And that's okay. That's right. I, I hear you. That's awesome. That's an awesome message to kind of wrap up. And we have more conversations to be had. I'd love to have you back sometime to oh, keep I this like going. <laughs> good. Okay. But for now, do you have anything you'd like to offer for the listeners, a phone reading, anything like that, or an online offering that they can, uh, anywhere in the world, they can find you? Anywhere in the world. I love that. Yes, <laughs> you can find me at raymoonwind.com. It has all of my contact information on there. I do readings via Facebook Messenger, which is kind of like Skype or telephone. Um, I don't do as many in person now, but that's always a possibility. Yes, I can do energy work and healing work. Uh, long distance as well. I do life coaching and I do past life regression as well as intuitive readings. So let me know what you need. Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes so you guys can find it easy. And uh, thank, thank you. you so much for being here. This was a really fun conversation. Thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. Yes, it was fun. And we're going to talk again soon. Okay. All right. Have a nice evening, everyone. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that awesome interview as much as I did. I certainly love talking to my friends and colleagues in the spiritual wellness field because it's so interesting to see not only the parallels in our lives, but also the slightly different ways we take care of ourselves and look at things because every time we get a new perspective on the same thing, we get a new tool in which to heal, in which to become more aware and to find more clarity through our connection to each other. So I'd like to thank Ray for showing up again and sharing her wisdom. And I'd like to, in the name of this interview, invite you, the listener, to question, now that spring is approaching, how you might not only declutter your home, as is the tradition to do in the springtime, but how you might declutter your energy and set a new site for yourself in this in this next season coming up. You know, springtime is when the new leaves bloom and flower on the trees, when when the new light comes in, when summer starts to heat up, you know, following the springtime, things get very different. The reserve and reflection of the holiday season leaves us and we start to begin things anew as the new fire burns in our in our environment. So as this is happening in, on your spiritual path, you may already be thinking of the ways that you can honor yourself in new ways. And I want you to really think about that now and to invite you to honor your uniqueness, honor the ways that you're sensitive and the ways that you connect with not only 
your spirit and the spirit of others on this planet, but perhaps the other side and other dimensions and even the angels and even God directly. Yes, I do believe that it's possible to connect directly to the divine and have a relationship with that divine source. So what is your relationship to it at this time? And how is your clarity coming in from these other sources uh, that are indeed a higher extension of who you really are? Um, and also, as you're thinking of honoring yourself in these new ways, how much you honor your body, your physical temple that holds your spirit, that holds your experiences, that feels your feelings. You know, it needs special things. Uh, no matter what, as a human being, we need whole foods, we need nutrients, we need healthy uh, food and water and fruits and vegetables and all the spectrum of good stuff in our systems. And it's best to stay away from the processed stuff and the chemicals and the preservatives and the sugars. Of course, of course, of course, you know, we all want to have our cake and eat it too. But if we want our spiritual health and our physical health, especially as a sensitive spiritual creature, you must be careful about what you put in your body. So how might you pull some of that fake stuff out and put some of the all natural stuff in so that you feel more aligned to who you really are in this coming uh, springtime and as we lead into the summer, which will heat up lots of things and we'll need a lot of energy for it. So what kind of things can you do now that will bring more energy in later? And finally, how might you honor your energetic body with energy medicine? You know, you can do simple energy clearing with yourself through meditation, you know, clearing your mind, taking a walk, as we as we spoke about in the interview, lifting weights, doing yoga. Um, I do it through free diving and walking. It's, those are my two of my favorite things and getting into the forest. But there are so many different ways you can connect with the divine and, and kind of work with your own energy field. And so don't forget about it as time goes on. We get so in our heads, we get so busy, we forget to connect and we forget to take care of that precious part of ourselves. So I'd like to invite you to do that now. And if you need support, as always, I'm here for you. Uh, you can check out my website at mollymccartney.com for spiritual readings, uh, intuition for your life path, mediumship to contact loved ones and spirit guides. And I also work remotely and locally here in Orlando, Florida as a spiritual energy healer. Uh, if you have any questions about that, please contact me again at mollymccartney.com. And if you feel uh, vibrationally aligned with Ray Moonwin, please check her site out, raymoonwin.com. I will put the actual link in the show notes, and I believe she said it in the interview, so go check that out. And as always, I just wish you the highest and best on your path. Until next time we meet, be well on all levels. Bye for now. This podcast was conceived, recorded, and produced by Molly McCartney. Music from the album Tranquility by the Sea by Bob Jr. and David James Nielsen. Learn more and subscribe at empoweredwisdomhour.com.